All right, welcome back to the Scorgy Cast. This is episode number five. And again, I'm Mike Rossello, and today we're talking to Dan Frank. How's it going, Dan? Good. How are you? Good. Thanks for coming. Glad to be here. So, um, Dan is probably uh, most known for the projectiles, but I think you've been in a ton of other bands. Uh, I will, I've been in several yeah. since uh, the 80s. Uh, actually, um, since the late 70s, I would say. Um, do you want a brief history? Absolutely. Um, my first real serious band was a band called The Eleven Authors. We got together first in 1979, 78-79. Uh, actually, this is a good story because it kind of it kind of dovetails into the whole projectile thing. The Eleven Authors were, uh, I met a guy, uh, Tony Pilato, back in 1978-79. Um, I had just dropped out of uh, two semesters at SUNY New Paltz. And um, I threw another guy that I knew who was a bass player. He had met Tony, and uh, we had gotten together a few times to jam. We finally decided we would get a, a serious band together. He played keyboards. So I was a guitarist. He played the Hammond B3. At the time, it was like, whoa, man, this is, this is like a serious instrument. Um, we found a drummer, and we uh, I played in that band for, I would say... Two, three years. Okay. Yeah. Um, we broke up in 1982. And was this... We were like a hippie band. Was this during Scorgy's time or before? No. I, I Well, Scorgy's was, you know, a thing at the time, but we weren't like a band that was geared to play that. Okay. We were like a jam band. All right. You know, I was going through... I, I went through a lot of phases in my, in my life about how all the music that I was into... You know, I was into. I've been into everything. I've been into rock. I've been into jazz. Um, you know, I went from you know this uh, blues thing, and um, I was always uh, very, very into '60s music because my both of my older brothers were musicians, and uh, you know, they my my oldest brother Vince, he was uh, the first record collector in the family. And he had all the Beatles albums, and he had every British Invasion album, and I was very, very much into that. So that's all the, the stuff that I pretty much grew up with when I was when I was growing up. Thirteen, had to get a guitar. So you know, I got I started playing guitar when I was thirteen, and um, I didn't get into a real band until I was maybe seventeen, eighteen years old. But anyways, uh, moving back to the uh, 11 Authors, we were not like a band that was geared to play at Scorgies. Okay. We were a hippie band. Right. Okay. Um, I was, uh, uh, I've always had weight problems. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, as you can see, it. but at that time, like right after that band broke up, I lost like 100 pounds. And then I suddenly got, I don't know, I don't know, it just, my, my kind of life kind of turned around and I started getting back into... All that the, the early '60s music that I grew up with with my brothers, and um, I started getting yeah started getting into more deep tracks from the '60s. All right. Somebody gave me a cassette. I had friends out in uh, SUNY Brockport. Somebody gave me a cassette. He said, "Hey, this is Nuggets. Have you ever heard it?" And I said, uh, "No." And he says, "Well, this is uh, this is cool garage band stuff, and you might be into this." 
and he had that that tape and at the at the end of the tape there was a bunch of stuff from Pebbles on there. When he gave me the tape I thought it was all from Nuggets, so you know, I had to go look for the album and when I got the album I said, "Where's the rest of it?" you know? And in any case, uh I started hearing about the Chesterfield Kings. I remember Scorgies was a thing at the time. You know, it was a bar that I had never gone to because you know, there are no familiar bands that I knew that played there. Right, sure. So as soon as I started getting into the, uh, as soon as I get, started getting myself into uh, this uh, 60s garage band thing, you know, I started gravitating towards Scourges. Uh Then I started going to the House of Guitars and I started buying some more albums. And then I picked up the Chesterfield Kings album. Yeah, yeah. it's always something, that, always something that... Sparks that, and uh, and uh, I took it home and I listened to it. And uh, you know, being being a band from Rochester, I heard it and I said, "This is what I want to do." Cool. So at that point, I decided that that uh, I would get the uh, try to get a band together. Um, Kevin Kiefer was a good friend of mine. And he decided to take up the bass. Jerry Flanagan, who is another dear friend of mine, who has um, passed on a couple of years ago. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah. Uh, he was a guitar player, and he really, really wanted to play in a band. So us three got together, and we started working things out. We didn't have a drummer. At the very beginning, we were using a drum machine on a Casio keyboard. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was really, really funny. Um and then we finally got a drummer, his name was Mike Gengali, to play with us, and we became the projectiles. Oh, all right. So what are we going to call ourselves? And Kiefer, Kiefer said, how about the projectiles? And I was like, okay, that sounds, that sounds kind of cool and different. So that was the birth of, project, the, of the projectiles. That was about, I would say, late 1983. Cool. And were they like, were you someone writing the songs? Or were they all 60s songs? Uh, there was some, the Kiefer wrote a few songs. Uh, in fact, uh, we have, uh, I, I, I brought some of that with me. Um, would you like to hear something? Well, absolutely. What are we going to hear? Uh, we're going to hear something called Projection. And uh, this was written by Kevin Keeper. And you can hear, you know, it's uh, very, very different from uh, anything we did uh, it was more of a kind of a punk rock thing, maybe. Oh. It was garage punk, I guess. Sounds good but, to me. Uh, yeah, Key, uh, Kevin Kiefer wrote the song, and you can hear there's the electric piano in the background, and uh, it's it's uh, it, it's the birth of the projectiles, more or less. And this was recorded in very very early uh, 1984. I'm gonna say uh, we were practicing in Jerry Flanagan's father-in-law's garage. Uh, I think it might have been about 12 degrees out there uh, because we had this big, gigantic space heater and we would get a propane tank and warm the place up and we would play and, you know, I got some equipment and we decided to record and uh, so you're going to hear Projection. This is from early 1984. Awesome. Let's go. Here it is.
Okay, projection. Very good. Yeah, it's pretty. It's you know, it's interesting stuff. Um, so uh, during the spring, you know, winter turned to spring, and uh, Mike was kind of getting uh, the Mike and Gally, the drum. He was kind of getting, I think, you know, a little, you know, he wasn't quite into what we were doing. We were trying to find a way to break off from each other. Uh, Andrew Brian Goodman. Uh-huh. That's a name okay. I've heard over and over on this podcast. Yeah, so Brian was uh, playing, had played with Cousin Al and the relatives, and then when uh, Cousin Al and the relatives had broken up, he he joined the Insiders, who was a band that I used to go out and see uh, night after night after night. That was another band that I was very very into at the time, even before. I had gotten to, you know, I started the projectiles. We used to go out and see the uh, the insiders because they were the only band at the time that were doing that kind of 60s thing. Like, you know, they were hardcore 60s band. They weren't exactly a garage band, but they played a lot of Beatles, Stones. Um, and I got to know Walt. I got to know Bob. I got to know Walt O'Brien, Bob Janik, Jim Lampert, who incidentally I played with on New Year's Eve. And um, Steve Loudon, who I also played with. I went to school with all those guys. You went to school with all those guys. Okay. Not Steve, but um, Jim, Bob, and Walt. Okay. Oh, same. They same, all went to Athena, right? Same class. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, anyways, Brian became our drummer, and we started practicing. And 
Brian had the connections to Scorgies. Oh, okay. So he was the guy that got us into Scorgies because he knew the guys from New Math. And our first gig at Scorgies was warming up for New Math. Nice. Yeah, which was quite a time. And um, I was going to say, I'm going to say that was June of 1984. So we showed up and we set up all our gear and uh, we had some dummy gear, some empty speaker cabinets. And we were like, we're going to smash our stuff at the end of the show. (laughs) We're going to smash our stuff. And, you know, we played our last song and uh, we just went nuts and we started breaking stuff up and... Everybody uh, was laughing, and you know, everyone's like, hey, we got a good audience response out of that. It was, it was actually that quite must a bit have been fun. a good show. Yeah, yeah. New Math came on, and Kevin Patrick said, "Yeah, thanks to Projectiles, the most unpretentious band in Rochester." <laughs> I don't know if that was kind of tongue in cheek because we uh, we planned to smash our instruments, or if we were just like you know a bunch of guys that just got out there to um, you know have a good time. Yeah. And at that time, we were. That was one of the most fun shows I ever played. It's, um, yeah, it's you know, the, the, those are the kind of memories that stick out in my mind. That yeah, everyone's got them. Yeah, yeah. So and then from there we uh, we kind of like you know we kind of took off. I guess you know eventually we started getting our own you know spots on a weekend or you know on a Friday or a Saturday, and uh, we um, warmed up for some several bands that came through town. Uh, one of them was the Meat Puppets. I don't know if you're familiar with yeah. them. Yeah. Uh, very, very early on. And uh, there might have been about five people in the audience. Damn. Uh, it was in, in the middle of the week. That, in the middle of the week. Uh, another band I remember, they were from Jersey, the Cucumbers. I guess they're still around. I looked them up. I said, oh, let me see if I can find these uh find this band and they, you know there's a wikipedia page on them and they actually are still together wow it was a husband and wife, yeah a husband and wife the wife uh, group i remember them yeah that was another one of those weird weeknight gigs we played with cousin al we played with the fadeaways uh we played with the young idea um the swing set uh, we warmed up for the Vipers, who are a real good garage band from New York City. Okay. Yeah, that was uh, that was like one of our one of our better nights. I remember we were kind of those guys. They set their gear up and they did a sound check, and we said, "Are uh, you gonna like move your stuff?" And they're like, "No." <laughs> <laughs> so we kind of like we were all set up at the front end end of the stage, and uh, it was actually a very very good night. Uh, we had a, we, you know we we had our ups and downs there um uh, we were not exactly a consistent band i mean there would be nights where we played really really well and there would be nights where we were not not so good yeah. you know maybe it was cuz of the alcohol maybe it was cuz it was a week night and we were just weren't that into it but um uh that particular night we played really well and you know somebody told us this is good Man, wow, you guys sound really good tonight. <laughs> um, do you got recordings? Of I do have recordings. I mean, you know, was it every this is, on vinyl? I'm, I'm, well, I'm gonna we're gonna play uh, something here that is an actual uh, night from Scorgies. Oh, I mean, this was recorded in Scorgies. I put a boombox. I mean, they had these posts uh, in the middle of the room that yeah, had yeah. Uh, that had little like you know you could set your drink on them. Yeah. So I put a, a, a boombox, you know, a typical eighties boombox. I hit the record button and we recorded it. And uh, this song we're gonna hear is called "Cry." 
and uh, it's a it's a Garage Band classic, and it's one of my favorites. There's actually a, there's actually a few things on there, but uh, we'll play this one. How's that? All right, let's go. Here's Cry. Okay, so that was recorded on a boombox. That was recorded for, on a boombox. I did a little doctoring to it. You know, uh-huh. it is what it is. You can tell. You can hear all the uh, all the crowd noise and people talking and, and chattering in the background. Um, that that's how it was. I think I might have two more tapes of us playing at Scorgies. I definitely have a, a tape of Cousin Al playing at, at Scorgies, but that's another one of these things that you know. It's uh, you know that kind of gives me an idea. Everybody that I talk to. Mm-hmm. Has some tapes from Scorgies, right? I'm, I'm thinking a Scorgies live album. Well, hey, you know, would would be awesome. People out there, they got it. Then uh, you know, why not? You yeah. know? I mean, we, I, I can make a contribution or two. <laughs> I can tell you that much. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, we had we had we had quite a few good times. Uh, that one you just heard, I believe that was from maybe uh, winter of '84, spring of '85. Oh, there was one night we uh, we were supposed to warm up for the liars, and they got caught in a in a in a blizzard mm-hmm. out in Boston. And um, we were like, "Where are these guys? Where are these guys? They're going to show up." And they finally told us, "Well, you guys got to play the whole night." 
and we were like we're looking at each other and said, you know we got we we got to start this thing at 10 o'clock and we got to come up with four hours of music wow. and we only have maybe like you know an hour and a half two hours <laughs> worth of music and i think at the end of the night we were like trying to like play songs again and that was kind long of, versions uh, yeah it was uh it was, it was, it was what, a, what a nightmare and um we did end up playing for them again uh later on in the year they showed they came back i think it was during the summer they came back and uh, we we played with them and that was all oh, that was also a good time a lot of, a lot of fun um you know I, there's so many bands that we warmed up for and played with over there some of them i just i I know. I can't remember them, you know? I, I I talk about it all the time on here. I, I've seen shows that I don't remember. Uh, people remind me of shows. Oh, my God, that's right. I saw that band. Yeah. And it's just... I saw the Ramones at Scorgies. Okay. And that was like one of the... I, I, it was that was fantastic. I couldn't believe how great it was. And that was... You know, the, the Ramones, even at that time, they were still a pretty big band. Mm-hmm. And... Um, you know, to see him in a small venue like that was was awesome. Uh, I remember one time we played a weekend, and um, the Bangles yes had played the week before, and we got there and they were setting up setting everything up. And Mark, who was the sound guy, I I don't recall his last name. Um, he starts setting everything up, and I'm setting my amplifier up. He puts the microphones up, and he's like, "Here, here's your microphone. It's still, it's, it's bangalized or something like that." And it was like red lipstick all over the microphone. It was hilarious. Um, then uh, you know uh, things started winding down in 1985, and uh, there was a uh, Battle of the Bands contest that they had. Or a talent contest. I forgot who they, uh, who, uh, what the, what they called it, but um, it was it was a battle of the bands. It went on for a, a couple of weeks or something like that, or maybe a month. I remember I had the Ronchettes were involved. We played with them a few times. Okay, are you familiar with them? Uh, I remember the name on the posters. Mm-hmm. I can picture it. But you know, I, don't... I have their forty-five at home. Um, four girls. Mm-hmm. Yeah, local band. They were local band. Yep. Oh yeah, you know that we, we used to have a lot of fun with them. We we played with them at least a half a dozen times at Scorgies, um, and uh, it was another band called Lower Wolves, and they were like an REM cover band, and we ended up winning the contest, and the prize was recording session at Saxon Studios, and that was run by Dave Anderson, and it still is. Dave still runs it. And uh, we were able to go there and record um, about six or seven songs. Oh, very cool! Yeah, and uh, out of that out of that session, we were able to press our first record. And you want to listen to it now? Can yeah. we play it now? Was it a whole like an album or a no? No, no, it was a forty-five, and it came out on Jargon Records, which was Dave Anderson's label i think he still uses the label let's hear something's never changed our first 45 all right here we are project out something's never changed
Um, great memories from that. I bet. Sounds good. Uh, would you like to hear something else? <laughs> yeah. Might as well. Okay, so um, these were tracks that never got uh, that never got um, released or anything. Uh, this is one that I wrote. Uh, it was kind of like uh, I was, I was try- trying to make it as, as Chesterfield Kingsy as possible, and um, unfortunately, it never. You know, we, when we were deciding what to put on a record, this the uh, well, we had seven songs that we could we could have picked from. Uh, this one's called Out of Sight, and uh, I wrote this one. All right, so this is Out of Sight, um, and you you said this was. It's an original. It's a band. Yeah, it's an yeah. original. Yeah. Was it? Or it's not released anywhere before. No, no. You're. This is probably. People probably haven't heard this in. So like, how was it? Was it recorded on a, we, we, another boombox thing or? Like no, in no, the no, studio? no, no. This was all. Uh, this song was recorded in the same session that some things never changed. Oh, was all right. Recorded. So you know we're hearing this for the first time in ages. All right, a little <laughs> exclusive here. Out of here. sight. Yeah, it's out of sight, baby. All right, here we go. <laughs> Is out of sight. Well, thank you. Um, and uh, so, uh, I I think it was at the end of 1985 that uh, Scourgey's decided to become a comedy club. Yeah, isn't that terrible? It was kind of a weird thing. I remember at the right at the same time they had raised the drinking age from 18 to 21 that year, and with that, Scourgey's decided to become a comedy club. I think that was part of their reasoning because mm-hmm. 
you know, you're taking away, you probably took away a good 30, maybe 40, possibly 40% of their crowd. Yeah, that's true. It wasn't exactly an older crowd, although, you know, it wasn't like, you know, I don't know. I was 24 years old at the time, 24, 25 years old. You know, I thought people that were in their 30s were, you know, old, older yeah. people, you know. Although it's not exactly that old nowadays, you know. <laughs> but there must have been other places you were playing, right? Uh, we, you know, so the other other places picked up the slack. Idols, uh, schnozzes, uh, jazzberries for a little while. That was kind of a weird kind of a scene. Um, mostly idols. Schnozzes was a was a place that we had quite a bit of success at actually. That was at the Village Gate. Yeah. I don't know if you remember that. No, you know, after Scorgies, and I didn't last the whole, till the end of Scorgies. I stopped going like um, 83, 84-ish maybe. And mm-hmm. and I'm not sure what happened. If I, that's when I got married or, or what. But uh-huh. I just, and then all those other bars that you mentioned that I hear a lot about mm-hmm. and a lot of uh, really cool bands I hear play there. Mm-hmm. I wasn't in any of those. And, right. And I've, feel like I missed out on a lot. I'm not sure you missed out on a lot, but, you know, look, I went, the, the whole Scourgies thing, because Scourgies was around for quite a bit. I, I consider myself like a Johnny come lately on the Scourgies scene, because if, if I look at the first time that I ever played there, which was in the spring of 84. Oh, yeah, that's that's pretty late. That's pretty late, yeah. Um, and they... they Basically shut down operations. Well, you know, they stopped having bands there. And I think it was fall of 85. Right, yeah. So how long did the projectiles last after that? We broke up in 1992. Oh, for a while then. Yeah, so the band kind of evolved. Um, what happened was later, late in uh, the Scourgies thing, Kevin Kiefer, we had a very high-profile show there one night that was booked there. And we were we were really, really getting a head of steam going. And uh, Kevin Kiefer was like, I can't, I can't play that night. And we were like, why? He's like, uh, he had to do something with his girlfriend, fiance or something. And we we're like, you know, you know, this is, you know, this is a big deal. So he, he didn't show up to the gig and we uh, had to cancel. Oh, wow. And I, I, we kind of lost some momentum after that. Mm. I went to that, I went there that night and everybody was like, well, how come you're not playing tonight? And I was like, you know, I don't know. Um, so we, at that point, went to look for a replacement for, for Kevin. Finally, uh, Mike Abrams became our bass player uh, for about a year. There, I actually um, I have a recording here of us playing at Schnazes. Since this is a scourgey sh- uh, thing, you don't have to play that. Yeah, it, <laughs> you, it, it's a projectiles <laughs> episode, it's a, it's a, so okay. There's a Hipsville 29 BC. This was one of our favorite songs that we used to play. That's the name. What is it? Hipsville? Hipsville 29 BC. Okay. This was one of our favorite songs to play while we were uh, in that in that era of the projectiles. This is about from 1986. So play the song Hipsville okay. 29 BC live at Schnazes 1986. There we go. We don't need no more intro than that. There it is. Here it is. 
Okay. Hip. Yeah, Hipsville 29 BC, great bar sounds on that one. Um, uh, you can uh, tell it's a very, very a lo-fi recording, but uh, it's, it's all there. Yeah, that's, that's what rock and roll is. Um, so uh, Mike, Mike hung with us for a little while, and um, in early 1987, he decided that he was going to become a shoe salesman in Connecticut. So he had to quit the band. Wow. So we, uh, Dave Anderson, who we who we knew very very well, because we had you know spent all this time recording with him. Uh, we asked him, "Would you want to become our bass player?" Because he was playing. He was the original bass player in the swing set. Oh, okay. Do you? I don't know if you remember those guys. I remember uh, uh, who was in that band. It was Walt. I think Walt was in that band. Right. Yeah, I, it was the original swing set with um, oh the league the lead guitar the singer. Guitar. Hey, you, you interested in playing bass as well? You know, we got this we got this show that we got to open up for the Chesterfield Kings. Very important. So that was the one time we opened up for the Chesterfield Kings, and um, we got Dave to play bass with us, and he ended up, you know, going from. I'm going to play this one gig to actually getting into the band and kind of guiding us through, you know, another recording session where we recorded, oh, maybe about 25 songs. One ended up on a compilation album. I wish I had, I had, I had to go looking for this thing and I couldn't find it before I came over here. Um, had a song on there. Uh, there was a magazine called Ex Nexio out of Germany that um put one of the songs from the session on there i couldn't find that 45 <laughs> either but i did find the projectiles ep which featured three songs uh no good woman nothing and i want to come back from the world of lsd <laughs> and it was uh 500 copies were pressed and we did all the artwork ourselves, per more or less. Um, how about we play a song from here right now? Sounds Let's good. play a couple of them. Let's play. Uh, how about we play um, "Nothing," which is my favorite cut from this uh, from this EP. Okay, here goes nothing. Okay. You're driving me insane You're driving me mad, girl Go rattle on my brain I happened to mention What you said last night You pay no attention You just drop out of sight Baby, you know I need Nothing I need nothing No I don't need a wife I got a big Cadillac And a diamond ring But I'll send it all back Cause I don't need a thing Baby, you know I need Nothing I need nothing
then it's goodbye. I see you again, but don't look back, cause you'll still be friends. If when you call, nobody answers the phone, you know that's all, baby. I ain't coming home, baby. Well, that sounded like something. <laughs> uh, it's one of my favorite songs. Actually, I, um, I, I kept that in the repertoire of when uh, uh, later on when um, I was in the True Believers, we resurrected it for uh, one or two gigs. So uh, it's always been one of my favorites. This next one you're going to hear is uh, was one of our favorites. Now, we originally recorded it in Tony Pilato's basement, but we redid it again in Dave's studio. Um, and, uh, this one's called, I want to come back from the world of LSD. And, uh, it's a, well, you be the judge. (laughs) Okay, here we go. I want to come back from the world of LSD. Is that it? That's it. Okay, here we go. the world and I can't find a way to get in oh, Just keep I took the just to cut me a little bit thin oh, I must get back to the world of reality The light is so bright out here, I just can't see I don't know why I did this thing today I wanted to get my fix in the same way I must get back to the real world of fine If I stay this way any longer, I lose my mind I must find myself 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Did you come back? Uh, I don't know. It took us a while after that one. It's uh, as you can hear in the ending, it gets extremely nutty. Um, but that was the th- that was the effect we were trying to get. And since we were in a, in a in a good studio, we you know we, I guess we used as much studio trickery as we possibly could. That was the last. Well, no, it actually wasn't the last projectiles. Uh, thing we did we kind of um soldiered on for a little while uh in 1988 we kind of floundered a bit and um you know every band makes bad moves and probably one of the worst moves we ever made was getting rid of jerry flanagan oh. and we told him we, you know jerry i think we're gonna be a Four piece. Is this and, the guy uh, that didn't show up for the important gig? No, no, no. Kevin was Kevin oh, was uh, had, uh, had already um had already been out of the band for at least a year, a year and a half. Um, Jerry was the rhythm guitar player, and he he was he was you know it was one of our biggest boosters. But uh, we we you know we were I don't know it was it was a weird time. Everybody was getting kind of you know how bands unless you'd been in a band. People get sick of each other. Oh, I bet. And then they started like you know looking for scapegoats for why things are not going the way that they should be going. Um, it's a big mistake, I think, because after that, Jerry joined up with the Fertility Wright Brothers and had better success than we had with the Projectiles at that time. They had they took off to be a you know quite a popular band. They they were like a a cult favorite here in the in the in Rochester. So did you guys ever? Um, were you at Scorgie's reunion? Um, no. That is not in the audience now, or anything. Now, is this something? Was this a? No, I was. Not, I was not at the Scorgie reunion. Okay. No, I, I. This was a few years ago, wasn't it? Well, quite a few. It was okay. Two thousand and eight, I think. Okay, I was not at that. No. Um, uh, we did do a reunion at uh, for the whole lot of shaking. Uh, nineteen twenty ten. Okay. We actually did a couple of those. One is the True Believers and the Projectiles actually got back together for for a gig. So around 1989, we got together and we recorded an album. Um, it never got released until 
until 2004, I believe. But... Uh, and this is still the projectile. This is still the projectile. We recorded 12 songs. Uh, it, it came out very, very good. It was a very good album, actually. How about we listen to uh, the first cut on the album... This is one of our favorites that actually came out. This actually came out really good. Uh, this is a cover of a song by the Del Vets, band out of Chicago. And this is called Last Time Around. And this was recorded. This is on, on your album. This is an album recorded at Saxon Studios in 1989. Oh, all right. Okay. So this was, yeah, tail end of the tail end of the projectiles. And uh, hit it. All right, let's go. Here it is. Okay, sounding good. It's a the, the, this, the, the whole album came out really, really well. Now, now was that released to, like to the public, available or? Uh, I believe uh, Screaming Apple Records out of uh, Germany decided to print it out of Germany. Yeah, 
How does that happen? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, people shop this stuff around. You know, people take interest in things. Uh huh. So, like, if I went to the Bop Shop, could I find it? Or uh, I don't know if you can find it at the Bop Shop, but it's probably easily obtainable on eBay. Okay. You probably find it on eBay. I don't know what's going for these days. I know the original projectile forty fives. The last time I checked. Our first forty-five went for fifty dollars. Nice. And the EP went for maybe a little more than that. Mm-hmm. You know, it fluctuates. I've seen it at set sales for forty, somewhere in that range. It's, uh, I guess, it's a collector's item. If you're now, into, do you have uh, a copy of everything you've done? I have a copy of everything I've that's, done. That's beautiful because I hate when I sometimes people say, I have, no, I, I don't have, have doubles that on some of them. Good for you. I wish I had more than that. Good but, for you. No, I've got, I've got a copy of everything. Good. Uh, I've got a copy of all the compilation LPs we were on. Well, all of them. We were on one. Uh, the uh, the Exploding Underground compilation that came out of Italy and a song called All Under Heaven that Tony wrote was on there. I was scrambling around looking for the LP to try to, like, you know, you know, rip it to an MP3, but I kind of ran out of time and I couldn't couldn't exactly find it because unlike you who has a very very uh nice you know your albums are all in oh, order al- alphabetical of oh, course man, mine scattered all over the place but you probably got more than me too <laughs> well you know i got a lot of albums but and and they're a mess but my 45s are even i got thousands of 45s yeah and they are all over my basement uh, speaking of that why don't you plug your little radio show there Oh, I do a radio show. Well, first of all, I have a blog, and um, it's uh, it's called Dan's Garage, and you can locate it at the Garage. That's T H E E Garage, all one word, lowercase. dot blogspot. dot com, and uh, you can check out uh, lots of cool uh, scans of labels, forty fives. Much of my collection is in there. I do little descriptive things. I do little rants at the beginning. Awesome. That's just, yeah. I think it's so cool that you do that. Yeah, you know, I haven't done it since last May. I haven't posted anything since last May. But there's 143 posts. Mm. Like I said, I've been doing that since 2009. Um, it's one of my passions. Record collecting is one of my I, one I, of my passions. I understand. Yeah, and so out of that grew, uh, you know, one of the one of my uh, followers from it was from Arizona, a guy named um, Andy Olson, and he runs a, a website called RadioFreePhoenix.com, and he asked me if I wanted to do a Dan's Garage uh, radio show every week, and I said, sure. When do I start? And you know, how do I do it and when do I start? And he, you know, gave me all the instructions on how to upload and software. to. So you do that from home? I do it from home. Oh. I, I, I basically cobble together the show. Um, I've got my turntable hooked up to my little mixer and I got a microphone hooked up to it. Some of it's on Mixcloud. Not all the shows are on Mixcloud, but if you're curious about hearing the show and you don't want to wait till 10 o'clock on Wednesday evening... You can go to Mixcloud and look up Dan's Garage, and then you can find it there. Uh, incidentally, the show is called Dan's Garage. Every Wednesday at 10 p.m., RadioFreePhoenix.com. Every Sunday at 2 p.m., 
deepoldies.com. See, and, you got the radio voice. That's why. Oh, I try. I don't know. You know, I do got a spiel going. You know, you know, I got my shtick every 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 week. I'd say the same thing. You know, you got to have one of those things when you're doing a radio show. You know, everybody's got like a, a catchphrase that they use every all the time. You know? mm-hmm. And I got it. I do the same intro thing uh, every week. Uh, you know, I, I got it down pat, and mostly music because I'm really bad at doing like you know voiceovers and you know explaining things, and I'm always like you know stuttering and stumbling over myself, and uh, uh, so I keep it mostly music. So you basically get, I, you know, I'll play a song, I'll do an intro, and then you'll get like you know. 20 minutes of music i'll do a little more and then you get another 20 25 minutes of music i'll end it and you know you get an hour's worth of good fun yeah i I can't wait to to listen to it now that i know i can find it uh, on demand you can find it on mixcloud yeah mixcloud Uh, uh, quite a few of them there are about 300 shows these days i'm playing a few less 45s since i've got you know terabytes of archived music from the 60s and the early 70s i mean i've got stuff that is you know comes out of the you know the deepest cracks in the earth (laughs) and uh from all over the world uh is it all 60s kind of music it's very it's it's all it's all basically rooted in um garage psychedelic bubblegum surf sunshine pop uh, a little bit of hard-edged uh, psychedelic type stuff, uh, instrumentals, but it's mostly the same vibe. Okay. There's a lot of music out there, and I'm basically scratching the surface. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's really incredible. Um, I, I try to dig for this stuff, and you know, there's people out there that post things on the internet, and I try to get as much of that that way as I can. Uh, I do collect albums, and I still collect 45s. Which are truly my passion. But getting back to the projectiles, if we could. Yeah. Um, so uh, we decided to uh, record that album. We heard last time around. That was the last thing we heard, correct? Yes. Okay. Uh, how about another one from there? This is um, one of my favorite songs from the album. It's something called Heart Full of Rain. And it was done by a band called, originally done by a band called The Sixpence. Who are from California, and they eventually became Strawberry Alarm Clock. Oh no, kidding! And did Incense and Peppermints. Yeah, so this is something called Heart Full of Rain. One of my favorites from the from the album. All right, Heart Full of Rain. Here we go.
Okay, another good one. Thank you. You know, we played around for, you know, now this is 1999. The album, like I said, never got released until 2004, I believe it was. It was after we had, um, long after we had broken up. But there was a package that got released. And uh, nice album, nice album, you know, the album cover looks nice. Uh, and I, I was, you know, fairly happy with the recording. And is it is it consistent with the earlier sound? Like it's the, you would have saw it scorgies? It's much better. Wow, I might. Uh, have... It's much better than that. Yeah, I mean, you can tell. You know, there there there's definitely a, you know, we took it we took a step forward on that one in 1994. Brian and I and Mike Mike Murray and Brian and Kiefer and Rick Waldorfer. I don't know if any of these people sound familiar to you. Uh. Yeah, um, I, well, I, another Rick Rick Waldorfer is another one from school. Okay, so you knew you knew Rick. Yeah, say like, is Rick, and you know Mike Murray. I've never I think I've met Mike. I hear all really? about him from Julie okay. and from the other people on the podcast. Oh yeah, yeah, they you know they were all they were all a gang at that time. You yeah, know? yeah. Uh, so it was Mike and Rick and uh, Kevin Kiefer from the Projectiles. We had actually gotten back together again. And we call ourselves the Refried Teens. <laughs> I love it. And uh, I actually have something from uh, the Refried Teens, if you'd like to hear that. Okay. Yeah, this was actually recorded at, at, at Dave's studio. Uh, we scraped up some money and we co- recorded uh, five songs. And uh, we're gonna—I want you to uh, play the um, our cover of the Pretty Things, Rosalind. Ooh. All right. Here's Rosalind. Thank you. 
So that's 1994. Nice. That was good. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, uh, Brian, he, uh, he left for uh, Albany that year. And um, I remember the last show we played. And we all left it. We all kind of like, you know, left on amicable terms because we knew, you know, he had to go, you know, he was going to do something else. And we were we were like, what are we going to do? Are we going to find another drummer? And Mike, Mike Murray said, no, nah, I don't think it's going to be the same if we find something, somebody else. As you grow older, you try to find like-minded people to play with. Sure. Okay. And, you know, even though some people have, are talented, you know, it's a chemistry thing. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're 20-something, you play with anybody. You know, you're 16, you're a teenager, you're 20, so you play with anybody. When you start getting a little older and wiser, you're kind of like, you know, pick your spots, more or less. So we decided to hang it up because we didn't want to have to go through looking for another drummer that probably wasn't going to fit the band anyways. So that was the end of the refried teens. Fortunately, we, uh, you know, we, we had these four songs recorded for posterity. And we also have, there's also a tape that has a, a live show. And um, it's, uh, it's really, really funny. <laughs> if, uh, if, not, if not for the music, but for the in-between song banter. Yeah. Between, oh, yeah, between the, uh, between the, um, between us and the crowd. Uh, and where was, where was this at? Uh, Friends and Players. That was a place that we kind of like hung our hat. Oh, okay. In where, the where early 90s. I don't remember that one at That's all. That's like in the corner. It was on the corner of uh, South, uh, South Clinton and Goodman. So you know where the cinema is over there on South Clinton yeah. and Goodman? You know where the, the, the Highland Park Diner? Mm-hmm. Right across the street. Not the Angry Goat. The Angry Goat. Now it's okay. the Angry Goat. Oh, all right. It used to be Friends and Players Pub. Okay. And like I said, you know, in 92, we kind of broke up uh, the refried teens. And then after the refried teens, Dave Anderson and I kind of regrouped and we decided to record as the Riviera Playboys. Okay. I've seen that name on the posters too. Yeah. So the Riviera Playboys started in 1995. But anyways, we, we recorded the album and then over the summer, Dave and I finished everything off. Finally got the CD released in 1997. Wow, you were yeah. kicking the whole time. But I've I've had a lot of fun here. I I, I can't believe the the you know I'm I'm very chatty tonight. Uh, that's that's <laughs> what we need because I'm not really. Uh, yeah, so yeah. podcast needs chatty people. And, and once again, I just, if anybody else is out there is listening, uh, share this with everybody and spread it around because. This is a very, very cool thing. Thank you, Mike. Thank you for being here. And we're going to close out with... Here comes the night. All right. Good night. All right. Thanks a lot for coming. You're welcome. Another guy His arm around her like he used to be with me Oh, it makes me want to die Yeah, 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 wow, here it comes 
Yeah, 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 why here it's not? 